everybody. Welcome to You're Wrong. Hey, Luciano. What's everybody wrong about today? The whole Microsoft buying, buying ZeniMax, Bethesda, whatever you want to call it, deal. Um, specifically, what it means, why they did it. And also, I guess we'll take a, a little bit of a stab at the whole idea of exclusives. So there's a lot. There's a lot that everybody's wrong about this week. Oh, well, I mean, how how is that a you know a, a, on on this specific yeah. topic? I guess is what I'm. Even I then, is that really news? I mean, to some people, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Not to me. Anyway, um, so for those that you know live under rocks and don't know, Microsoft announced on Monday, um, Monday from the recording of this episode on the let me see what day is it today because i'm lost on the 21st of uh, september 2020 that they are buying zenimax which owns amongst other things bethesda and id or id however you want to call it studio yeah i know it's it and you know things like doom quake wolfenstein um elder scrolls all that stuff fallout um, on top of whatever they already had, and obviously the the main thing, especially so close to to you know the announcement of the new console uh, generation and all that stuff and and everything that's going on, everybody, me included, jumped to the conclusion that oh okay, all Bethesda games are going to be exclusive to the Xbox now, and they're wrong about that, and so was I, but I corrected myself quickly. Um, yeah, anyway, so the, uh, the head of Xbox or the head of gaming at, uh, Microsoft, Phil Spencer said that they are not going to make all Bethesda games exclusive to the Xbox. Uh huh. So in his words, uh, it's going to be evaluated on a case by case basis. Which I'll believe it when I Bullshit. see it. <laughs> yeah, I'll believe it. Sorry, when I, I, see it. I, I should have I should have muted on that sneeze there. No, that's okay. It happens. Just just yeah. make sure you do it next time. Thank you. Um, so apparently there were actually two games, uh, two Bethesda games that were coming out exclusively on the PS5 first, as far as yeah, I understand. that's that's Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. Yes, and those are still coming out on. On the on the PlayStation first, but then yep. after that, um, apparently they don't want to have like they they're saying they don't want to have Bethesda games be entirely exclusive to Xbox Xbox and PC if you want to call it. Sure. So I call me jaded, but I don't believe you know executive VPs anymore at you know at face value. <laughs> <laughs> what what is there a specific part of his his statement that you you don't trust or or dislike well it was very like wishy-washy and and like vague it was like oh no this is we don't believe in exclusivity anymore okay and apparently there was like yeah even halo isn't an xbox exclusive anymore oh so you mm-hmm. mean it's gonna come off for the ps5 <laughs> well wait a minute wait wait uh, you know, that's, it's it's I, on the I PC too. Yeah, I but. love that. That that thought process is great. <laughs> yeah. So to me, so I believe it in the sense that they won't always be exclusive. 
like I don't I don't see Halo coming out for like like PlayStation. But no. But I think the Bethesda games, like the Elder Scrolls games and or Scrolls games, the you know, the Wolfensteins, the Dooms or whatever, Quakes, um, those I think will end up in other consoles and whatnot. But just because they're not exclusive doesn't mean, you know, Xbox doesn't get it like freaking a year before they ever show up on on PS5, for example. Right? Yeah, I, I think I agree with you for the most part. I, I think one of the things you're, this is just a theory of mine, but I think one of the things you're going to see is the idea that all of the Bethesda games, we're just going to refer to them as Bethesda from now on because Zenimax is a holding company that, who cares? Um, and I think all those games are going to end up on Game Pass. I think we've already seen advertisements yeah. to, to say, you know, Doom Eternal is showing up on, on Game Pass. And and I think what's going to happen is Microsoft is going to sort of position themselves as, listen, we'd put Game Pass on PS5 if Sony would let us, but Sony keeps saying no. And if we could get Game Pass on Sony, then you'd have access to all the Bethesda games. So I could see them saying, this isn't an exclusive thing. We just put it in our our games as a service that Sony refuses to let us put on their system. And now they are in executive vice president speak, not lying. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, right now, Sony, or, you know, before the acquisition, if Sony wanted, say, a Fallout game on the PS5, they would be negotiating directly with Bethesda with, or ZeniMax. Right. And they yeah. would be interested in getting their games out in as many devices as possible because the more devices, the more they sell it, blah, blah, blah. Now yeah. they have to negotiate with Microsoft. And Microsoft has a conflict of interest there to some extent to say, yeah, sure, we'll give you whatever, Fallout 7 or whatever. Just wait a year. It'd be five, but yeah. I know. I know it's five. Okay. But, but it's like, you know, and all of them, Right, you know, Dishonored or Wolfenstein, you know, the names that you know people like consumers like those IPs, right? And so obviously Sony will be interested still in having them in in their console, but Microsoft gets to set the terms now, not Bethesda, right? And then that will definitely play into their console strategy. So like Phil Spencer saying, "Oh, we're not about exclusivity," like you said, this is like VP you know, lingo for gotcha, bitch. <laughs> I, I, I think I disagree on the standpoint that Microsoft going to abuse Sony. I think yeah. Microsoft is going to try to put them into a, a can't win position. It's, you know, right now, and, and I read, I was listening to a podcast. I listened to rebel FM. Um, and, and I want to credit them for this idea, but you know, basically, the theory is that Bethesda or Zenimax wasn't doing super awesome because a lot of their big investments hadn't done well in terms of games. Like they, you know, critically have done well, but not sales wise. You know, we're talking about Doom, uh, the Wolfenstein, um, Young, Young Blood one. Maybe young Blood. I know it was an old Blood. Is it Young Blood? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Rage Two. So those hadn't done well, and I think you saw that's one of the drivers for Bethesda to enter into agreements with with Sony for for Deathloop and for Ghostwire to be timed exclusives because now you're, you know, not necessarily taking on all of the 
cost of publishing these games. So they're making some money there. And I think that's one of the reasons why this sale happened was that maybe Zenimax wanted to get out of of the games business with the company had been struggling to to make a big sale, right? Like obviously Elder Scrolls is always going to be, you know, a cash cow for them. But but with other failures, you know, it puts themselves in an awkward position, uh, you know, in terms of going forward. Yeah, and, and I mean, when when you like acquisitions of this caliber happen, they're not exactly a hundred percent about the situation that the current owner of those IPs is in. I mean, yes, obviously, if they thought they would make make more money staying on their own, they wouldn't have sold. But you know, seven point five billion isn't bad. <laughs> well, uh, just for some figures to to give people some context, um, Microsoft bought Minecraft for one billion. Now that was only one game, but um, it kind of tells you how they value things. Yeah. Uh, another stat I heard on that podcast was that um, the original Xbox lost, I think, four billion dollars. So Microsoft has paid almost double for just the race to Bethesda's catalog uh, that they lost on the original Xbox. So it is a significant investment in terms of what they have paid for access to all of this yeah, for sure. IP, for sure. essentially. Yeah, and that's really, like, let's be honest here. They're not buying, you know, Zenimax and Bethesda for their, you know, necessarily for their company ethics or culture, right? They're buying what they have as, pro- like, intellectual property because they want to be able to profit off of that. Absolutely. There's no question there. But, like, this has, like, a, the implication on um the the how'd you call it game pass xbox pass whatever it's game pass yeah or yeah. xbox game pass so yeah. you, you got it right yeah um like it's it, it's already it was already a pretty big catalog of games that you got access to with with that now it's even bigger because they're all i just i'm just reading right now he actually said uh you know with no uh, no certain terms, all of the of Bethesda's catalog is coming into the Xbox Game Pass. So like, yeah, they're obviously they're obviously playing that angle as well. Um, and so I think, in a way, this is also to to some extent, this is to say, hey, you know, you can get you know PlayStation Plus or whatever it is that Sony is calling their paid thing now. I don't know; it's been a while. PlayStation Plus was their online service. I don't know what they've... Yeah. They've, they've certainly talked about... I think they announced they were adding a service similar to Game Pass, but I don't think it has the the breadth quite yet. Yeah. And, and you know, you can buy that or you can buy the Game Pass and have all of those games, you know. And, and I agree with you that it's going to get to a point where someone's going to say, you know, I want to play uh, all of these games. They're all on Game Pass but I have a PS5, I still want to play it. And Microsoft's going to say, hey, man, we talked to Sony, but they were mean and they called us doo-doo heads and didn't want Game Pass to work for, for their console. Yep. Right? And and that's going to drive... So, like, I don't think they're going to abuse it in, like, in the way that I said, obviously, but they're definitely going to put pressure on Sony to, you know, acquiesce, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I, you know... There's another thing to be said about the whole exclusive thing. So, like, we all know that Sony has been, you know, it's been their strategy to have exclusive games for their console and nowhere else, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah. And and it's worked for them. I mean, they have some great titles that are complete well, were completely exclusive. Now not so much anymore, but but like, you know, The Last of Us and um God of War and you know, that that kind of stuff like you you just can't get those anywhere else. You have to have a PlayStation. Well, I mean, pretty sure those games might be showing up on the PC in the future much like um horizons has zero dawn yeah yeah i i I hope that that's true because then i'm like i hope the spider-man game that they have exclusive on the ps4 i hope that comes to the pc i'm playing the shit out of that but yeah i i I think it'll be delayed much like horizons was but yeah i think that i if sony wants to fight against game pass and being able to open themselves up to other gamers then 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 the pc is the place the place where they're going to get that yeah, but my the, and the point that was uh, I was going to make is you know, so Microsoft owns you know the IPs from Bethesda now. So wherever we play it, they get their cut, right? Yes. But does Sony? I know Sony owns some of them, but does does do they own like they don't own Final Fantasy? Obviously, they don't own Demon Souls, and those always come first, at least on the PlayStation. Historically, yes. In the last couple of generations, Xbox got Final Fantasy games as well. It sounds like Final Fantasy is going to have some sort of time exclusive on the PlayStation for the next game, but they've kind of bounced around on those conversations. Um, yeah, depending on the generation and what's happening. Yeah, and and one thing that I I find that I I've heard people say, you know, oh, exclusives are good for the consumer, and I'm always baffled by that. Like, how? How is it good? Like, do, what do you think, Matt? Matt? Like, this, do you like the fact that the like the concept of you know a console only having or a game only be playable on a certain console? Generally, no. Um, I think we have to remember that exclusivity isn't always just a case of some company buying the rights to a game to make you only be able to play that game on their system. Sometimes games like that, getting that money allows people to make those games. Uh, I want to think of like rocket league when it came out and it went to to sony uh as a ps plus exclusive that probably gave a small company like that a huge cash infusion that allowed them to continue iterating iterating on that game and and let them grow to the point where they got you know swallowed up by a large mega conglomerate but we won't talk about that (laughs) but (laughs) but it let them get away with putting out their game and being able to iterate on it so at a high level when when a company like microsoft buys bethesda and, and obviously they, they have access to the PC, but let's say it didn't get, get into Game Pass and it was only going to be Xbox exclusives to make you buy that Xbox. That, that is a bad experience for the consumer, for sure. I think we have to look at each each in situation as a plus or minus case-by-case basis. Are those developers able to continue to be creative after they're purchased or you know have an exclusive product? You know, Maybe that's to the benefit of, of gamers. Uh, I mean... I guess I see what you're saying, but like, in, you know, on the other hand, on the other hand, like the PC has a, a bunch of games that are exclusive to it. So not not so much anymore, especially not the AAA games. But you know, there are certain games that are only available on the PC, and for you know, for lack of a better term, that's a an exclusive. You know, it's not, and and then, I think, so my my gripe with you know, exclusives are good for the consumer is that I I think 
they might be as a like side effect, like what you described with with Psionics. Uh, so was the their name or something? And, and uh, yeah, it's Psionics. And Rocket League. Yep. Um, but I don't think that that's the intention. It's like, oh, we're going to do it exclusively, so we have an incentive to. But that's not why. Like the reason why I think Sony has all of those titles be exclusive to their console is because they want to sell consoles. They want to, they want you to feel sort of like cornered or pigeonholed into buying. Oh, I want to play The Last of Us. I want to play Uncharted. I want to play God of War. Guess I have to have a PS Five. I, I think you're being a bit harsh on Sony. me. Never. Yeah, never. Right. I think the idea that Sony's trying to force you into buying their console. They're not trying to force you to do anything. If they want to force you, they would send commandos to your house and put a gun to your head until you order it off, you know, yeah. Amazon. Yeah, like sure. My, my hyperbole was bad. Was bad, and so yours yeah. was good. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like they want you to buy their console in any way they can convince you to buy their console, and that you, they are going to be the, the the console of choice, the place to be to play all the cool hot games is in their best interest. So in the sense of people buying exclusives and taking away a game from me being able to play on an Xbox, that sucks if I have an Xbox. But if they're trying to sell me on that idea of buying their platform, I see exactly what they're doing. And and to my previous point, yeah, it's kind of a dick move maybe by Sony or Microsoft, but also you have to think of where those publishers are coming from. Making games is hard and expensive. And so it's, it's not like Sony just swoops in and is like, again, throws money on the table and says, take this or we'll kill you. You know, it's the game companies get to decide whether or not they're going to to take these deals, and I think a lot of them take the deal because it's it can be scary if you don't have the backing of of a large corporation shelling out millions of dollars to to you to buy you and then you know run you because they have Fortnite money. I mean, with some some stuff, it's obviously you know, yeah, like I'd rather have that backing of money and and you know support from from a big company. So that I can be sure that my investment's going to pan out, but a lot of the times, like with Spider-Man, for example, you know they own the rights to the IP. Sony does, yes. and then they're like, "You're going to make this, and it's going to be just for us, right?" Yeah. God of War is the same thing. So, like, obviously, nobody's you know this is not a like a police state where someone's like has a PS5 gun to someone's head. <laughs> And like, you're going to make this just for me. Of course not. That's not what I mean, obviously. But it's like, you know, Sony says, here's, we're going to back a truck full of cash onto your backyard. And all you have to do is just, you know, not release it anywhere else except for my console. Right. Is that forcing people? No, but it's pretty enticing for a company whose main goal is to make money, which is, you know, capitalism. So like. My point is, I'm not saying they're wrong in doing it necessarily. I mean, there's nothing against the law to begin with. Like, they, they get to control the access to the stuff they own the rights to. That's their right. But I'm just saying that I don't see any of this being done to the benefit of the consumer or the gamer or the player, whatever you want to call us, right? It's not, that's not why. I, I think from Sony's aspect, no. But from the companies that take this deal, Yes. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Like like Psionics was like, yeah, hey, I can take this deal and be, you know, have some cash to kind of develop this thing, or I can just die on the gutter. 
you know, yeah. it's an easy choice there for sure. Right? Especially when you're looking at an, a game that requires multiplayer. I mean, you know, I was yeah. thinking about Among Us, which we've started playing amongst our group friends, and we all are having a great time figuring out who the most duplicitous person we know is. It's red. But, it's red. Yeah, it's, it's always red. It's always red. Um, red. Red is sus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you think about a game like that where they released that two years ago, um, and it only caught onto this huge explosive growth because yeah, basically someone on Twitch started playing it and people found it and, and realized how good it was. Yeah. And so you can see why a company like Psyonix, if they have this long-term plan of making this you know, sports game, and I would just like to point out that Psyonix has done what I think all sports games should do, and maybe that's a whole completely other episode, but like the fact that I don't have to buy a new version of Rocket League every year because there's new rosters, quote-unquote, uh, yeah. is is just you know chef's kiss. Um, but like, if they want to have that that ongoing uh, games as a service type experience, then getting that infusion is doubly beneficial because then you can ride out while that popularity grows. Plus, you already know you're going to have a certain base of people that will get to play it to help build that popularity. If you, you assume your game is good, right? So, so there's a, a number of layers there that benefit them. Sony is like, I don't know. Now, if, if the game's great, then we look like geniuses, right? <laughs> yeah. That's that's basically what it comes down to, or it's 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 a mix of both, right? It's for um, a studio people haven't heard of to to get in a game as as an exclusive that might make you look good versus buying something you know is beneficial. To wrap back to Microsoft is getting all of Bethesda's IP is clearly beneficial because they have a number of known IPs that everybody will go and look at when they pull out the next game. Yeah, those are fundamentally, and I think this is. Like, you know, going back to the, the original topic of what people are wrong about. And I think a lot of people are still thinking that now it's going to be an exclusive versus exclusive fight. And I don't think Microsoft is going to play that game. I think Microsoft can win that game. They can, but I don't think they will play that game. No, that's not their play. Their play yeah. is the Game Pass service. Yeah. But like, you know, just slightly going back to the whole yeah exclusive thing. Um, I think so like my, my problem is not with, you know, from software or square for signing deals with Sony, for example, to release their games first on, on the PlayStation. That's I, like you said, this is sort of like a make it or break it deal. And, and the company is going to do what it needs to do to stay afloat. If, if it means signing an exclusive with, you know, a giant, console and gaming company soviet they're not it's not not big of a it's a, a bit of a no-brainer there my concern is with sony because like if they were really concerned about like the the consumer and this goes back to our conversation about you know apple versus epic that we 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 talked about a few weeks yep. ago it's it's never for the little guy it's always for number one right mm -hmm. and and in, in sony's case they could say okay Psionics, you know, you sign a contract with us, we'll give you, we'll back you that that truckload full of money into your backyard. And then, but the, the exclusivity contract is two years or one year or three or whatever. And then, you know, we can renegotiate or whatever. It's never like that. It's like, no, it's ironclad. It's ours. You know, all that's missing is like one of those hairless cats and a, and a giant finger on one, well, a giant ring on one finger stroking that cat. That's all that's missing. So here's where I disagree slightly on this. All the exclusive games that Sony has built 
from their first party studios. Yeah, they're ironclad. But I think most of the deals that they get that are exclusive deals for their system, nowadays they're only a year or six months or I think just probably a max because after two years, like, you know, no one's ever going to go back and play that game. So that's not very valuable to the the, the company trying to put it on other platforms. But I I, I mean, if, if we ever got an email from our listeners, all 10 of them, um, I would love to see if they disagree <laughs> or can, can come up with an idea of what kind of games that are exclusives that got completely signed to the platform for the duration of the game that weren't built by a, a, a gaming studio that Sony or Microsoft owned. That would be very interesting. Yeah, and, and I think with the bigger companies, you know, like Square, for example, I'm sure that the, the negotiation table there is a lot more evenly, like, keeled in terms of power on both sides. But again, going back to the Rocket League example, like, Psyonix was like a, a startup, basically, with, like, a few people working and not a lot of cash to back them up to begin with. Basically, Sony got to write whatever the hell contract they wanted to write. I guess this is obviously me completely ass pulling out of this. Not like I, I mean, researched it, but it's hard to know, right? I don't know. I don't know enough about the state of Psionics when when they were signing that deal. If they were desperate for money or they just wanted to make life easier, I can't speak to that. But I think in general, an exclusive deal, the rights are the, the smaller the company is, the more power that is in the hands of of the company trying to buy it right whether it's sony or microsoft yeah for sure i mean they can just put a lot an amount of money in front of those people that is potentially so large that they, it'd be dumb to say no right um if they really wanted it so yeah and and i think also uh again going back to the microsoft thing um that, that we started with you know it's important for both Microsoft and for Sony to have first-party studios. And I guess that qualifies as well. Like, Zenimax uh, had, like, what, five, seven? Let me see. Like, yeah, seven or eight studios on it on its own. And, and X game, Xbox Game Studios already had another, like, ten. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's also another um, angle there. That, you know, now anybody, like, you know... You've, I don't know if you've played, you played it, I think, the, the you know, Doom from 2016. Yeah. It was really well built. It was really well done. And so, you know, if, if Microsoft now has, you know, a, a Halo that they want to, they want to have the same team build, now they can't because now they own that studio. And, you know, it's, I think it, it it's also a, an angle there that they could do like, oh, I, you know, we have this other game from the same genre that didn't do as well. I'm not saying Halo didn't, I'm just picking it as an example. Sure. Let's pick the the studio that actually built the other one that was so successful and let's have them build it, right? Yeah. That That's another angle there. Yeah. I, it, it'll be interesting to see. I guess this is, this kind of dovetails nicely into my next question is, what do you think is going to happen? You know, we've had the conversation around buying exclusive games for your platforms. And I think it's, you know, very important right now because both companies are launching new, new consoles. But what do you think happens as Microsoft owns the Bethesda studios and their licenses? Do you, you know, cause we, we've seen historically, there are a wide amount of outcomes for companies that get bought by studios to, to continue making games. I mean, you know, we can go across the gamut of one blizzard uh, who, who was bought by, 
can't remember exactly the, the timeline, but they basically got by Vivendi and then Vivendi sold them to Activision and then Activision has run them into the ground pretty effectively <laughs> over the last few years. Yeah. Um, as an example, like, you know, I still love Blizzard games, but I can't act like Blizzard is the same company that made me fall in love with them in the first place. No, 100% not. So there's that example. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of where that, that marriage and relationship has been positive. And I know there are some, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Yeah. All, I, all I'm remembering are the shitty ones. Like when, you know, EA bought Bioware. Yeah. For example. So like, why don't you explain to me what you think is going to happen? And I'll, I'll, I'll try to rack my brain for, for an idea of a good, a good example. What's going to happen now with, you know, with the coming of the new consoles and the games that, that they're going to be for them. Yeah, like what's what's Microsoft going to do with Bethesda Studios? I wouldn't worry about what platforms they're going to be on, but like, are they going to make good games? Are they going to like get all Microsoft on them and tell them exactly how to do things? Like that sort of conversation. I don't think Microsoft, like Microsoft has this sort of bad reputation from like the late 80s, early 90s when they were super sort of like anti-competitive and stuff. And they were seen as this like evil entity like people still write microsoft with a dollar sign instead of the s so like it, it's and it, it it deserved that reputation way back then i don't think that that's microsoft anymore i think they're gonna i don't know if they're gonna have as much direct influence over bethesda and and the other studios that zenimax had um as like they do over i don't know whoever builds halo right because that's that's a more direct relationship i find yeah i mean they bought they bought the ip to halo from from bungie and they built a studio to to create it right so it's they 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 directly own that studio it's not something they've acquired they yeah acquired the ip so like to your point earlier you know if the company was doing badly in terms of like management or administration and that's what the reason was why they thought you know it was better to sell than to try to make it out on their own um because zenimax was pretty big to begin with yeah then maybe they're gonna have a bit more influence i don't know that they're like i don't know that they're gonna go and tell like bethesda game studios that like, the ones that own elder scrolls and fallout that, okay yeah. this is how you're gonna build the next fallout or this thing needs to be on the next elder scroll they might you know get some sort of like influence in terms of maybe release this one instead of that one first because blah, blah, blah. But I still think they're going to have somewhat of the freedom or some of the freedom that they had as under Zenimax, the same kind, I think. I don't know if there's been any announcements in terms of like, you know, CEOs leaving or coming in or presidents or whatever. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I think it's probably too early. I, I, I heard on that same Rebel FM podcast that you know the deal probably doesn't close till June, right? By the time you go through all your oh yeah legal and other stuff, so none of that stuff will happen for the next year or two. Yeah, especially with with a deal that large, there's going to be eyes from everywhere in this thing. Yeah, but but I don't see them like I don't see them having direct influence on saying you know delay this doom too much or like build it this way or whatever they because I, I think microsoft is going to act more as a like an administrator in terms of of how a company works not not much in terms of content if that makes any sense yeah like you know 
we want to see the profits from this thing. And, you know, if there's not enough profits, we're going to fire all the C-level executives and put other people there. The usual thing. But maybe some influence to say, hey, guys, we need the big release from you guys by Christmas. Deal with it. Like that kind of stuff. But not, I don't think they're going to influence the games directly. That, at least, I, that's what I hope. What do you think? Yeah. Um... I think Microsoft has shown itself to to generally not mess with companies, like you said, over the last few years. Um, and I, I was looking up sort of gaming companies that were purchased and sort of the, the most amount of money paid. And I, I kind of missed this one, but apparently Tencent bought Supercell for $8.6 billion in, in 2016. Supercell just makes a bunch of those mobile games we've all heard of, like Clash Royale and Clash of Clans and stuff like that. So that's the only one that's been bigger. Uh, than this acquisition but um, I just wanted to point out like companies that have been acquired that haven't really been messed with um, Insomniac Games Sony bought them in 2019 and they've been making Spider-Man games for them Um, maybe that is a bit different because Insomniac was already exclusively making stuff for Sony but they've kept that relationship and I know I mentioned Blizzard before Blizzard under Vivendi Vivendi kind of just let them do whatever they want right they didn't tell them how to do things and didn't you know direct them so that was a good a good representation. And I think overall Sony or sorry, Microsoft hasn't, you know, again, they've generally bought IP and not development studios. So it's hard to see how it goes. Um, but, but I think they've shown that they don't want to tell people how to make games. They realize they're not good at making games specifically. <laughs> what? what are you saying? You're saying pinball isn't good. <laughs> Well, it's like <laughs> they just don't have a great track record of, of consistently putting out good games. And, and so instead of doing that, they build studios to do it independently of them. Um, you know, I, I don't – this is me just guessing. I don't have any proof to speak to this. But, you know, I don't think that Microsoft goes down to the coalition and is like, okay, you guys are making Gears of War 5. And you're going to do it this day, this way, this how, and blah, blah, blah. Or even to the guys who are making Halo. Like Halo got – if Microsoft really had a lot of influence, they probably would have told the Halo guys for Halo Infinite to be like, that shit's got to come out when the Xbox comes out. But they realized that the developers know best, and so they delayed it into 2021. There's not even a date on it yet. Even though their console's coming out, they don't have their flagship game. And I think it's because they realized that, you know, it's the Blizzard model, and I hate to bring Blizzard back into this, but it's it's the Blizzard model that is... You can't rush good games. If you rush it out the door, gamers will know and they'll hate your game. And then that's it. You're you're lost to, to the void because if you play your game and it sucks, it's really hard for you to get any sort of buzz back. Well, there's no better example than what EA does with all of the studios that it buys. Like yeah. I remember loving, you know, Bioware as as much or even more than I loved Blizzard back in the day. And from the moment EA got them, it was like one disaster. Like, look at, like, Knights of the Old Republic, even. Like, they released the second game super rushed. You know, that was LucasArts, even, but it doesn't matter. Like, they released it super uh, early or super rushed because they had to be out for Christmas that year, right? And that just causes people to be resentful, right? Yeah, look, look at dra- the Dragon Ages, right? Like, the, the difference in quality of the different Dragon Age games they put out because of, of being forced and rushed to put out a game and make money. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like Dragon Age 2, another yeah. perfect example. Yeah, it was not like it was not up to par with the first one, and Inquisition is much better as well. So yeah, I think I think I hope. Let's not 
let's be a little less optimistic. I hope that, you know, companies like Microsoft and Sony and hopefully EA and Activision or whoever understand that, you know, rushing things might get you the money now, but it, you know, costs you in the long run. And if you're like, they're buying, like in Microsoft's case, they're buying pretty beloved IPs, right? Elder Scrolls, yep. Fallout, Doom, yep. Wolfenstein, right? And if you rush those things, then like, look at what happened with, even before all of this, look at what happened with like Fallout 76, right? Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great IP. Yeah. Everybody loves it, but the game was shit and everybody hated it. And that chips away, right? It's, oh, yeah. So Definitely. I hope I'm hoping that, you know, Microsoft takes, let's call it the high road here. And, you know, let's, like you said, let let the, the developers do as they may and and only guide them in terms of like administrative stuff. I, I'll be curious to see how this plays out long term, because if, if Microsoft doesn't let these people, you know, build and grow how they want to and design their games, then they'll they'll probably just leave. And and you see it in the case of Blizzard again, like they've had, you know, with the announcement of Dreamhaven, which is the the old uh, president and CEO of Blizzard, Mike Morheim's new company. They think they have like 28 people on their roster or 29 people on their roster and 28 are ex-Blizzard employees. Like you'll lose the talent that makes those games because they're not going to want They're not going to stand for it. And I don't know how valuable IP is if, if you consistently run it into the ground, how valuable is that IP? And are you going to get your six or $7.6 billion back? And just to take it outside of games for a minute, look what Disney's done with star Wars <laughs> since they bought it. Yeah. Um, their movies have been subpar overall. Uh, thankfully, the TV shows have been doing much better, but that's a great example of somebody trying to control uh, the the IP and manipulate it in a very specific way because they expect a certain outcome and how it's been detri- detrimental to the to the franchise. And we don't even have to get into if you like you know The Last Jedi or not, but just the difference in tones between all three movies, no... It's not like everybody loved all three movies. If you loved the second movie, you probably hated the third movie, and if you loved the second movie, or, or sorry, hated the second movie, you you know, vice versa. I don't know what I said there, but like you know what I mean. Like <laughs> no one's no one's happy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it, you know, it's like people like or love, um, you know, an IP or like a, a story, a set of characters, and that kind of stuff because of what's done with them. Yeah. Right. If you take uh, a setting and a group of characters and you write shit stories for them, or if you take an, a setting that everybody loves, if, you know, if not for the characters, but for the world building or whatever, and you fuck the world building, uh, people are going to stop liking it. And it goes back to the same thing of, you know, let's say, you know, someone buys Lord of the Rings, right? All of the, the IP there and, and starts producing stuff with it. Right. Uh, just, fir- just, just for your reference point, uh, Amazon bought a whole bunch of stuff, and they're making a Lord of the Rings based TV show. I know, I know, I know. Okay. But I'm, I'm saying like, like controlling the entire thing and say, okay, sure. nobody else can release anything. It's just as like what, what Disney did with Star Wars, right? And and then you start releasing, you know, some weird ass stories with like, you know, they are shit with characters that are not engaging. People are gonna stop liking those. Yep. And there we will go watch the first one, sure. But then if the first one sucks, well, I think we've proven that you know, <laughs> uh, 
with Star Wars, they have at least like four or five movies <laughs> that we will go see until we're like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, but right. like I, I, I'd be hard pressed to go watch another Star Wars movie in a theater. And I think Star Wars is a bad example because the love for that is just so nostalgia in ingrained based that it's really hard. A really, a really better example for me is because I came to it late. Is Harry Potter. I came to Harry Potter late, later than all the people reading the books. And I really enjoy that world and I really care a lot about it. I think it's great. But I'm not going to watch that third Fantastic Beast movie because the second one was awful. I didn't even watch the first one. I mean, the first one's all right. The second one is just just insanity. And I'm, like, it's, it was objectively awful. It just it was a convoluted mess in terms of storytelling. I'm sure you've recognized that in a movie before. Maybe the Lost Stars movie. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, people, like, just because Harry Potter did well, and I, I enjoy those stories too. I, I've i never read the, the books. I was going to say I never read the movies. I never read those either. <laughs> okay. I watched the movies. Yeah. But I watched all of them when I was, like, when they come out, I wasn't, it wasn't like I wasn't the target audience, right? Sure. It came out in 2001, and it was for kids, and I was not a, a kid anymore. So, I still, I went to watch the movie, and, and I enjoyed it. And I watch. I think I watched all of the movies in the theaters, right? But then, as with ha- as it happened with you know Star Wars, it's a basic misunderstanding of what makes it good. Yep. Right, and then you think just because you slap the thing's name on something that it's going to be a success, and that's not true, right? And just to bring this back to games, I think the same is true of you know, like you said, Dragon Age. Um, first Dragon Age came out was one of the best games I've ever played in my life. Love that game. I played it, you know, yeah, so much. Three hundred plus hours. I actually don't know. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I, as you know, other games I don't usually replay, but Dragon Age I I started replaying and I got pretty far in the second playthrough. So it's probably like five hundred hours. I don't know. Okay. It's yep. it's an ungodly amount of time, but. You know, Dragon Age 2 came out and I played it, but it was not great. And then you start losing faith in the like in whatever comes after, right? Same thing with Mass Effect. Loved the first two games. You know, they had problems, especially the first one, but I loved the story. I loved the characters. I loved the setting, everything. And then the third game came in and it was so good. And then it ended on a super downer note in, in terms of like story. And then I just, you know, you see an Andromeda and it's okay. It's after that one. It also looks like that garbage. I'm not going to play this, which I haven't. Yeah, and I, and I think that goes to it goes to the point of it's not specifically that Bioware got EA stepping all over the toes to build stuff, but it's that basically the people who are in charge of Bioware, like the, do- the doctors in that case, decided they don't want to be here because it's not a creative environment being forced out by EA and now you put people in charge that don't have the same vision and, and, and love for the IP and they don't know how to speak to the fans because they don't get it. And that's how you get bad games. So it's the cascading effect. Isn't going to be today or tomorrow. It's going to be years from now. You know, when we talk about the next elder scrolls game, that might be utter garbage if Microsoft doesn't handle it correctly, but everybody will buy that. I mean, the latest one was already not that great. Right, which like one? Sky- Skyrim was amazing, and then Elder Scrolls Online was like, eh. Uh, it's doing pretty well now from all. I know, all but it it's the right. same with Andromeda. Yeah. They fixed it, right? It's it's, yeah. but you lose faith, 
right? You sure. lose. I, I don't know about because that was still done by by uh, Bethesda and Zenimax, so I can't speak to that one specifically. But yeah, no, but that's my point. Like even when when it was still the same studio, they can still fuck up, and we can still sort of say, okay, I don't know if I want to play this anymore. Imagine with another company that's coming from outside trying to force their own ideas and their own vision and their own whatever to onto an IP like EA does, right? I, I don't think that makes it any more likely or unlikely they'll fuck it up. I don't know about that. Because, it, well, it, I guess it depends on the situation. But if, yeah. like you said, if you, know, you, you put a bunch of people in charge, not only in charge in terms of like being, you know, managing the company, but in charge of actually executing it, you know, the artists and the developers and everybody, and you put people that aren't as in tune with what actually made that thing great, they're going to fuck it up one way or another. Almost assuredly, yeah. Yeah. And then what happens is what, you know, you're talking about Dreamhaven. That what happens is the people that, you know, were working on that company, on that IP that you love, they're, they're like, you know what? I'm not going to see this thing get butchered and be a part of it. I'm just going to get out. Yeah. And then you're stuck with, you know, $7.5 billion worth of investment on on a company that has all the IPs but doesn't have any of the vision and any of the exe- executing capacity to actually profit from those. So I'm hoping... Microsoft doesn't take that tack. Uh, yeah, I don't think they will. But I think you you are correct. Like the fear is that you lose that talent because you know in the case of Dreamhaven, I think all of us are very interested in what they're going to be doing. Yeah. But what if if Dreamhaven has all the people at Blizzard that made Blizzard what it was, and they're able to do that again, then does that mean that a lot of people who play the Blizzard games now will leave and go play those games because they have the feeling of nostalgia and all that stuff they want. And they're progressing the genre in a meaningful way, because I think that's one of the biggest things with IPs is you have a tendency to, to bleed them dry. If you don't understand how to evolve them. And if you, if you're just buying it to own it, to sell it, you're going to have a real hard time understanding how to grow it. Yeah, I agree. Um, any, Parting shot? I think I think we milked this to hell and back. Yeah, I think we did. <laughs> I would just say that I don't I don't think I don't think it's it's that bad. Um I think it's it's interesting. Um it's an interesting purchase and I'm curious to see how Microsoft handles it. But other than the fact that, you know, it's kind of it's not it's not anti competitive, but it is because buying the video game studio to make sure people buy your console is very competitive. <laughs> um, but it is kind of weird in the sense that now those games might not be played on another console. Um, and I would just like to point out here to all of our fans, this is one of the reasons why you should just buy a PC because yep, that doesn't happen to you very often. And I think as you go forward in the future, everybody's going to put their games on PC because a PC is what builds them. Um, and it makes sense for them to have it on as many platforms as they can uh, instead of just limiting you to one platform. Will, will Sony and Microsoft share with each other? That is probably never going to happen, but, but can you get more Sony games on the PC? I think the big ones. Yes. Not some are coming, right? Yep. Horizon zero dawn and Detroit become human. They're all coming and there's more coming. So what you're saying is essentially that the PC won the console wars. Uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I agree with you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I also don't see this as being 
a negative thing necessarily. I think, like you said, this is not going to, it's not even done until next year in terms of a deal. And we're not going to see the repercussions of it for years to come still. I just wanted to kind of point out that Sony was getting too many exclusives and now, you know, Microsoft wants their own. I don't like that's very short-sighted and, I, you know, has been since, well, in VP speech, it has been disproven. Just so take <laughs> yeah. that as it, as you may. Okay. But I, I do think it's not, it's not for that. And I, I don't see this as necessarily as a negative thing. It's actually be a very positive thing if, you know, it allows us to keep having more good quality games of those IPs now with, you know, Microsoft money backing it. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Um, if you would like to contact us um, and try to tell us how wrong we are while being wrong yourself, feel free to email us at yourwrongcast at gmail.com. And, you know, that only applies to those of you who can actually spell your and not, you know, do it the wrong way. Um, but yeah, until next time, I'm Luciano. I'm, um, I'm still Matt. Yeah. Uh, last I checked, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, remember, your, your opinion is valid. Um, it's wrong, but it's valid. See you next time.